Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez, I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing and awesome episode of the Aviation Mentors Podcast. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. I really appreciate you. Uh, today, we'll actually be diving into a topic that affects both the aviation industry and communities worldwide, and that is noise pollution. Um, while air travel connects us globally, it also brings a lot of challenges, one of which is the noise generated by aircraft. We'll explore what that means for those living near airports and measures being taken to address it. Carson, do you know of any airports local to us that have any any uh, noise abatement procedures by chance? Yeah. Um, John Wayne Airport, I think, is a pretty good example of that. They have uh, one of the more interesting noise abatement procedures, uh, both for general aviation and for commercial flights as well. If you've ever flown out of John Wayne, it's a little bit interesting. They take off and then power back the engines. And a lot of people just sounds like they turn off the engines. If you're not used to what that sounds like, they're just powering back the engines to reduce the noise they make. And that's really the only purpose of it. And for general aviation, Brandon, you want to tell everyone about that one? Yeah, absolutely. For general aviation, they actually give you a heading and they have you turn uh, either to the left or to the right. They want to keep you away from the houses and over beautiful Newport Beach, California. Uh, Newport Beach is a very swanky area, to say the least, um, and it has multi, multi, multi million dollar homes. And it happens to be off the main departure end of, uh, of SNA, John Wayne Airport. So they really don't like airplane noise over there, um, even though they've they lived next to it for, I don't know, I think the airport's been there longer than Newport Beach has or pretty pretty darn close. It's one of the things I'm never going to understand when we start talking about things, especially is people that complain so much about the noise of airplanes. And then they choose to live right next to an airport, just like everyone does in John Wayne causes a lot of problems and people complain, but we understand that airplanes make a lot of noise. So it's kind of a give and take. So the FAA does do their best to try and reduce that with noise abatements. And we'll get into a little bit more of the, the meat and potatoes of it, but Noise pollution really refers to that unwanted sound produced by aircraft engines and the aerodynamic flow during flight, particularly during takeoff and landing. So aside from everything, uh, it's really a significant environmental concern, especially, like you said, for those communities near airports. And the most noticeable impact of the noise is really just going to come from those commercial jets. Uh, They make a lot of noise. But smaller aircraft and helicopters also contribute to it. Airplanes are just noisy. Helicopters are noisy. And the aircraft noise pollution is really generated during takeoff and landing and can be heard real well at low altitude flight. And jet engines produce the most noise. And some of those levels can reach up to 140 decibels. So as loud as a gunshot. It's going to be a loud thing to hear. And propeller aircraft, while they're generally quieter, can still significantly impact nearby areas. There's another fun part of noise, which is sonic booms. And those are created by supersonic aircraft. That's a whole nother layer of complexity, but their impact is really limited because there's no supersonic flight allowed over land. So you're not going to be hearing any sonic booms. Um, Those were restricted a lot, Uh, but they are pretty cool to hear if you ever do get to hear one um, or just go look up a recording of them. They're super loud and it's just from a plane going really fast. Have you ever heard a sonic boom, Carson, on an airplane? Not with my own ears. <laughs> not not in real life. I've never heard one either. I've I've just watched uh, watched videos on on YouTube on it, and uh, or maybe not on it, but but seen the supersonic jets fly by, and and you 
you see old videos of of the Concorde flying. By the way, speaking of Concorde, uh, that was the first supersonic jet that was for commercial airline travel. And unfortunately, I never got to fly on it, even though I was alive, Carson, while it was in service. Uh, and I believe you might have been, to be honest, maybe by like a year or two. I need We'd have to double check that. But I think the Concorde stopped flying in the early 2000s. I think that's when the last flights were on. But as everyone knows, my son's name is Austin. And I think I said something about being in Austin a couple of weeks ago uh, for a meeting for Stratus. And you know what's in the Austin airport, Carson? What? This is where you say, what, Brandon? What's in, what's in the Austin airport? That's so awesome. What, Brandon? And what it, is it? What's so cool <laughs> that you saw? Um, I didn't see it this time, but it's in the executive airport. It's not in the main airport. Um, But the cool thing is they actually have a engine sitting in the lobby from a Concorde. And it is huge. It's like the size of this room that I'm in right now. It is really, really, really cool. So I'm I'm telling you, you need to go there and check it out. Okay. That that deserves the reaction. That's so cool. I I just looked it up, by the way. In 2003 is when they went out of service. Um, So yes, I was alive for that. Just, uh, just barely. I was dead on. I said, to, I said early two thousands. I knew it was somewhere around then. Yeah, well, at least you can remember it. You know, old age brought in your brain and all that. <laughs> Thanks so much. Of course. Well, besides uh, my old age and uh, remembering the airplane that actually flew around before, or Carson was still in diapers. Aircraft noise is actually measured in decibels, like you just mentioned. It's a unit that quantifies the intensity of sound. So airports use noise monitors, believe it or not, around their perimeters to track noise levels. At some airports, if you exceed those noise levels, you will get fined. I think you can get fined out of Torrance. You can get, there's a possibility to get fined. And then I also know out of Van Nuys, I believe you can get fined. They will actually send you automated letters in the mail that say, hey, you exceeded by X decibels. And I mean, you don't really want to get those and they will fine you. So be careful when you take off. If you need to to pull your throttle back a little bit or choose not to go into certain airports that have noise abatement procedures, make sure you think about that. I mean, when you check your NOTAMs and you check, check the details on those airports, you really want to know the impact of it. Well, these measurements that track these levels, uh, they they help create noise contours, maps that show the impact of aircraft noise over surrounding areas. Regulations of those like a cow, I can't even say it properly. Do you know how to say it, Carson? Ikoa? Ikoa. I say it's it Icoa? is ICAO. <laughs> I think it's Ikoa. But as Carson said, ICAO. <laughs> um, set maximum noise levels for aircraft operations to minimize community impact. Uh, for context, a quiet suburb night is around 40 decibels, while a vacuum cleaner is about 70 decibels. Uh, airports use an average noise level over a 24-hour period known as the day-night average sound level, or DNL, to assess exposure. The FAA considers communities exposed to DNLs uh, at or above 65 decibels as significantly impacted by aircraft noise. So these noise contours created using sophisticated computer models, and I'm sure now AI, uh, help in planning and implementing noise abatement strategies. And they also make us do what we need to do as aircraft pilots to try to keep these these communities happy. I know they all moved in and they all live near an airport. And especially in Southern California, where it's so so populated and, and dense communities, people might not even know that they live near an airport and they're just there to complain about it. So it is what it is. Yeah, well, that, that's never going to really stop getting me. Um, you know, airplanes make a lot of sound. And if you've ever been to an air show, um, I, I vividly remember the March air show, the March air force base one. And anytime a plane would go over the parking lot, every single car would just start going off. Uh, Cause it would just rattle them. So you can imagine what that's like um, to a lesser extent, but 
to just hear airplanes all day nonstop. And the noise pollution won't just you know affect a car uh, you know by setting off their alarm. It can disrupt sleep, cause stress, lead to long-term health issues, even like hypertension. And it's not just a daytime problem because night flights can be really disruptive. Uh, it can wake people up. And beyond that health, there's the social impact too. Uh, the noise pollution can decrease local property value and affect really the overall quality of life. A lot of people are actually trying to not just combat it at the source, uh, but help the people on the ground. And again, I'm on the pilot side, but a lot of airports are actively working with the surrounding communities to address the noise concerns. And they can involve, like we talked about, uh, the noise abatement procedures and programs. And they can even go as far as soundproofing homes and schools. So that's kind of just accepting the noise and getting along. And community engagement also really helps airports to understand and address the specific local concerns. And that leads to these really tailored noise mitigation strategies and noise abatement procedures that you know, some of the airports that Brandon mentioned have. Some airports have stricter local rules, like specific noise limits or restrictions on certain types of aircraft altogether. These regulations are really essential in terms of balancing the needs of the aviation industry and those needs of the local communities. And airports like San Francisco International have even set up comprehensive community engagement programs. And these are a whole list of things, uh, but just a couple of them. They have like regular public meetings and noise forums where people just really address their concerns. And I think a lot of things is people just want to be heard because it's going to take a long time to fix. But like Rand said, we've already come a long way with aircraft making a lot less noise just because of how they're produced. Well, Carson, they are being heard. They hear our aircraft flying over their houses. Well, they're definitely hearing us. <laughs> oh, you meant we're supposed to hear they're them. Hearing us, that's for sure. Yeah, we're not supposed to hear them. We're supposed to hear them. Yeah, they hear us. We want to hear them. We don't want to really, but definitely want to hear them. Unfortunately, my state that I was born in, which is California, I don't really like San Francisco anymore. It's very dirty, very filthy, and uh, the people are very uppity. And uh, no offense for anybody on here. Who, uh, who might be from San Francisco, you're probably a great person because you like airplanes. Uh, but uh, please come on down to Southern California or, or come on to my new home of Florida and uh, come say hello because uh, it's a little too, uh, they go to a, they go to a little too far of extremes over there sometimes on, uh, on, I mean, noise forums, public meetings that are regularly happening. Come on, guys. I mean, let's just do some studies and let's just make it, make everyone's life happy rather than just getting in a forum and screaming at each other. I, I don't feel like that's very productive. And it sounds like that's what's happening. Probably, but here's a different extreme. Um, Amsterdam has an airport, and I, I even tried to write it out. I tried to pronounce it, tried to look it up. I couldn't pronounce it. And this airport has invested heavily in soundproofing. And Amsterdam has even relocated an entire community to reduce the noise exposure. Um, so they moved everyone all together. And I think that's pretty awesome. I mean, good for them. So I can't imagine how, how many votes that took at that public forum. But they said, let's just get out of here. Let's get away from the airport. <laughs> let's move. Not move the airport. Let's move let's the move, people. Yeah, move, move the people. Yeah, the airport had to have been there first, right? That's the only solution. I mean, unless I bet you it's got to be like a military base or something. I mean, there'd be no reason why they wouldn't move the airport if it's that bad, unless it has like a strategic reasoning for it. So I wish you knew what, how, how to say the airport, Carson. Well, there's been history of moving airports, right? Didn't, didn't they move Denver? Wasn't, wasn't that a whole story? I don't know. We got to look into that. I feel like that was part of it. So I wish I can just, I can just kind of talk out of my rear end all the time and just, oh, yeah, this is what happened. I wish I just knew a little bit about everything. But unfortunately, Carson, not that good. I wish you knew too. It would make me a lot 
make this a lot more convenient. It would. But back to hey, it. Luckily, we have Google, though. <laughs> luckily, we have Google. We do. You're right. But in the U.S., the, the FAA's next-gen programs uh, aims to modernize air traffic management, and part of it is to address those noise concerns. And in Europe, the European Union has set really stringent noise regulations, um, which kind of led to phasing out older and, like we said, no, older means noisier aircraft. But aside from that, um, a lot of the thing problems just come down to you move next to an airport or you live next to an airport and now you hear airplane sounds and what do you do about it? So a lot of the problems are going to end up with a, a noise abatement procedure, I think. And that just means a certain way that aircraft have to fly and certain things that aircraft have to do to make less noise over your house. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, they're we're we're trying to be the best uh, best neighbors we possibly can. Even though I joke around on the podcast about not being a good neighbor, I, I think it's really important to uh, to engage with communities and make sure that they understand the value that aircraft bring their communities. Uh, they transport people. Uh, they they transport things. They transport animals. They transport medical supplies and um, provide emergency services and uh, help fight fires in in the west coast of the U.S. and um, even some other places as well. Aircraft are really uh, something that are that's extremely necessary for our day-to-day life. And the communities just need a better understanding of why we're around, meaning aviation, and what we're doing for those communities. I think if they understood more of, of what aviation does for their community, they wouldn't complain so much about just the noise. I think they would go get some new speakers, put them in their house, and start listening to some music a little bit louder. And, uh, and instead of paying attention to the aircraft noise, cause I can tell you this, I've lived right, right on the other side of an airport. And after a little while, you don't even listen to it anymore. You can't even pay attention to it. And I have a problem with sounds every once in a while. So, uh, especially chewing sounds, right, Carson? Oh, you hate chewing sounds. Uh, yeah. Drives them nuts. They, they bother me like crazy. <laughs> but, but a lot of pilots and, and, uh, the FAA especially understands like the, the necessity to keep noise pretty much away from people and there's certain altitudes you can't fly over congested areas where people live um there's certain altitudes you can't fly anywhere and there's certain areas that you have to be significantly higher uh due to a lot of wildlife and you don't want to affect them with all the noise and really everything that comes with aircraft so people and pilots do understand it and we do our best to keep everyone away from it absolutely well i hope you guys uh, liked listening to today's episode i know it was pretty uh pretty tense and like very dense information today. Uh, to be honest, it's one of the harder episodes for us to kind of work with uh, because it's something that uh, that we do deal with uh, on a semi-daily basis when we're flying out of certain airports, but it's not something that we consciously pay attention to. So that's why we wanted to kind of bring it up to the forefront and talk about it today because it's something that we don't think about a lot, but I can guarantee there's a lot of other people that really do think about it. And they are those communities that we fly around and uh, are a part of. So just keep in mind on your noise levels. And if you fly into those airports with noise breakman procedures, make sure you follow them. You don't want to be getting something in the mail that says, hey, you exceeded it by X number of decibels or something like that. You can and will get fined long term. But as always, if you'd like to reach out to either one of us, you can reach us on our emails. It's Brandon at AviationMentors.com. And for Carson, it's Carson at AviationMentors.com. Please do not forget to hit follow, like, share, all of those things on whatever streaming platform you're listening to us on. It's a huge part of helping us grow the podcast and helping us grow the aviation community and uh, and help people who are, are uh, learning to fly. So thanks so much for listening today. We really appreciate it. And uh, remember, stay safe and stay quiet in the air. 
And as a wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride. Shh.